But I've also like said a lot of times, like being strategic about what you're trying to do is really, really important, mm-hmm. right? Like there needs to be a reason why you're doing these things, right? Otherwise, like don't do it because right. you're wasting your time. All right. Rolling along, my friend. <laughs> Nothing better than the face-to-face phone. I know. It's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the remote thing gets pretty tiring after a while. This is, the, this is, this is much more better. Absolutely. And there's much more shin kicking <laughs> right? underneath Bruce, Bruce Willis, the aged wooden table. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Although I've, I feel like Bruce is getting smaller. If that's possible. I could just be gaining weight. It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have to slide my chair back <laughs> for myself. All right, what do we get today, big fella? I want to talk about AppSec. Mm. I've seen it come up a lot recently. It seems to be like the turn of the year, there's like this awakening of people paying attention to like boundary applications, right? And I don't know if it's all the chat about like supply chain and what vendors are doing to develop and secure the applications that they're providing. Um, but over the last X number of months, a lot of people are starting to talk about it a little bit more. And perhaps maybe it's uh, some of the conversations we've had as part of the CPR. Yep. But you, my friend, are an AppSec legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like old Milwaukee is a legend in the beer industry. But yes. Yeah. Bush. Oh. <laughs> yeah, straight to the straight, falling down that mountain regularly. Yeah. So a question for you. So we are, uh, anybody listening to us, beginning of 2023. We're still dealing with the same AppSec issues that we're that I'm sure you were dealing with 20 years ago mm-hmm. when you were working with building out Ounce Labs, and I was like, I'm curious, going back in time, like rolling forward the clock till now, um, are you are like are you surprised like what you're seeing in the AppSec industry? And then, do you think AppSec matters more today than it did? yesterday and like what's your kind of perspectives on it? sure so number one your impression is absolutely right it is it is as bad or worse than it was 20 years ago which is really rewarding for someone who dedicated like a decade of his life to trying to make the problem a little less horrible and it's just as horrible can you imagine if you had an ounce in a time like today oh yeah i'd need uh an ounce and a half regularly in a tiny shot glass and it'd be excellent. But anyway, yeah, so it continues to be a problem. And I think that it continues to increase in importance just because of the spread, right? The spread of applications and the amount of advanced work that goes into attack technologies to take advantage of it. So yeah, I think that application security is getting more important. And as you mentioned, you know, we had great input from folks like Sean Hughes of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts into the CPR talking about the evolution of application security as a discipline, right, to, to, get, to get them better, um, with a fellow by the name of Neil Bird uh, from Barracode, who talked to us a little bit about stuff he had seen in the public sector. Uh, but the overriding, you know, th- thinking was, we've got to move this thing further, further left. And I remember, you know, back when we started at Bounce Labs, the, the idea was to get the developers thinking more about it, right? Left meant have developers write more secure code. There's not a lot of work that goes on and helping developers learn how to write secure code. There isn't a lot of CI/CD stuff that automatically checks for secure code. It's a complicated problem. Um, but one of the things that we had worked out in developing an application security center of excellence in ASCO uh, with Sean um, was this idea that you, you got to go left of that, 
right? You got to go to the point where you're actually establishing what these applications should look like, what they should do. Be more transparent about creating the security uh, requirements of an application before you buy it or before it gets built for you, whether it's internal or external. And I think that that, for me, is like the most major change I'm seeing right now. We've been working on some of that language. And, you know, when we first rolled it out to, to vendors to talk to software providers and consulting service providers, that application security is a thing, they're surprised by it, right? You want to you reality slap in the face as an AppSec guy, you know, when they're <laughs> like, well, we, we, actually, we actually, and this is not the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we talked with another client, you know, who's working it up. And uh, they went to one of their major vendors who's just responded to an RFP. And in the RFP, they had put this good language that said, and you're going to have to provide us with uh, reporting on how your security testing went. And they said, no, no, we're not. And that, that, that was actually like the answer in the RFP where it said, you have to do this. And they're like, no, we don't. And so now they're going to go on, I think, the equivalent of the naughty list, right? So they're not going to be, they're not going to be a top choice. But the fact that an organization feels comfortable saying, I know this is important software and you're uh, a relatively large public sector organization. Um, but you really shouldn't worry about your security because as a software provider, I know we're not. You know, and it's just, to me, it's just uh, almost unimaginable that that's the answer. I think that maybe the reality of it is that a more intelligent buying population starting to put together these restrictions is going to run into for a little while. Folks were hoping it'll just go away, right? The vendors who aren't comfortable doing it, they hope it just goes away. But yeah, I, th I think it continues to be a, a really interesting and kind of, um, it's kind of an orthogonal area of cybersecurity. You know, we think a lot about operations, or we think about identity management, or we think about access control or encryption as enabling technologies. And we seldom think about security at that sort of infrastructure layer. Like, before you build it, what's it feel like? Yeah. You know, maybe the closest thing would be like uh, in AWS. We've got AWS Config, which checks to see if you've got the right configuration down. If it's changed or not, that kind of feels like it in sort of a lightweight way. Um, but yeah, there's just not been a lot going on. So the problem has gotten bigger and, and better over time. When I look back over the last probably 10 to 15 years, mm -hmm. it was about that time where OWASP really starts to sure. become a thing, right? It's published. Shout out to Mark Curfee, yeah. OWASP. There you go. It gets published in PCI, yeah. right? PCI starts to get some momentum and saying, uh, app, based on your SAQ and whatever whatever SAQ you're completing, you need to conform to OWASP or mm -hmm. test against OWASP. And um, to to me, it felt like there start there was starting to become some awareness for for AppSec around that time and all the good stuff that they were doing over at OWASP. Um, I recall it was around that same time the idea of like secure code development was becoming a thing, like. Uh, the ISC squared created like the uh, secure SDLC mm. certifications. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally butchering it, but they started coming out with like AppSec certifications and makes sense. Yep. Must've been like 2012, 2013 right. roughly. Um, but after that, like I, it feels like to me, I don't have any stats to back it up, but just hearing like industry chatter, people assumed like we're good. Like we've done enough. Yeah. Or, you know, and, uh, and I think there's been this fundamental assumption that people are doing these things. But um, as we kind of roll forward in the years here, we're like, yeah, we're actually no better off now than we were like way, way back when. In fact, and, and I think the problem has changed, right? So when we think about, I don't think it was done well, right? And I don't think certifications are anything like the answer, right? Being certified oh, yeah. in application security, I can't even understand what that would mean because are you certified as a C developer 
as a low-code, no-code developer, as a Java developer, as a scripter. Bar, your bar's even high there. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's probably nothing. It's probably about testing. It's a book of saying, like, hey, like, here's the things to consider when you're writing object classes. Yeah. Right? There's no, like, there's nothing here. At least when I saw it, and I'm, like, totally dating myself, is there, there's nothing there. Like, these are, um, they're practical. They're like security practitioners, but they're not developers. I'm like, right. we need to get this into the hand of developers, yeah. right? Well, it, it's interesting looking at the current, and this is just going to be an extension of AppSec into the present. If you look at like uh, ChatGPT, right? You look at, uh, in general, AI capabilities. Everybody's talking about the capacity of individuals to create tainted data, which changes the conclusions or the answers that are given. And, and that's sort of like uh, they'll change the data sets that people are looking at. Got it. Um, but has anybody looked at the security of the ingest stream? Has anybody looked at the security of the, of the management, of the integrity of the algorithms themselves? I don't think I'm reading a lot about how they're securing that infrastructure, particularly where it's really awesome open sourcey kinds of stuff, right? And there's a there's a general presumption by people who don't understand that maybe open source is less secure, and it's not. Let's get that off the table. It's not. However, it is the the combination of lots and lots of people's work, and as we saw with Log4j. Right. Sometimes mistakes are made and people identify them because they can see sort of what's going on yeah, underneath yeah. the covers. So, you know, as, as we're thinking about this going forward, the, the, the idea that you're certifying is kind of maybe interesting. Uh, but for me, I think we have to go back to like where we had the discussion with Sean and as we're working on now in, in these various ASCOs is we have to set the requirement for visibility. You know, for me, that's really what we're starting with. It feels so basic, but we're going back to the beginning and saying, I need visibility. You need to tell me what you did to make this, to assert that this is secure enough for me and then show me the results and then I'll decide if that's enough for me. Right. Right. And that's, that's sort of where I'm at. Like, um, I'll give you an example. You go to a restaurant. I like my meat rare and I like my oysters uncooked. Right. And so there'll be little notes that say, be aware, dude, if you eat this thing, it may make you very ill. Okay. If I trust the restaurant, I eat it anyway. I don't care. But at least I know I've got visibility. Right. And that we don't have any of that for our software. Software shows up in a box or online. You download it. You can't read it, really. And you just use it, and you hope for the very best. And nobody's warning you. Recognize that by using this, you may put yourself in danger because the vendors don't want to give the opportunity to the client to say, I'm going to go for the fried oysters. I'm not that comfortable. <laughs> right, right. So let me, um, let me ask you this. So there's, there's someone listening to yeah. this. Or hope there's well, someone hopefully there's somebody listening to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, who's in the position where we say, like, Jack, Justin, this all makes sense. But how, in a world where no one wants you to get in front of it, how do you get in front of it? The thing I came to, and this was relatively recently, was it's about the money, right? If you make, so the problem, I've always said that the problem with cybersecurity, specifically around applications, is the consumer. The consumer doesn't care. Right? It's like we all have iron stomachs. We all go to the restaurant. I don't care if the FDA has been in here ever. Right? Those creepy crawlies, eh, what the hell? Who cares? Right? And, that's, and, and unfortunately, as consumers, we have not demanded security. We've expected it, and then we've complained when we don't get it, but we, we have not demanded it from anybody. And so you know, the, the, the tack that we've taken in terms of understanding this and the work that we're doing is trying to create transparency in the contract language and request language, like requests for proposals, requests for information, requests for quote, that say, listen, if you're going to participate, you're going to have to give us the following sets of information because we require this thing to be secure. Yeah. And if you're not going to give that to us, or if you fail those tests and it proves you're insecure, 
then you're not coming home with us, right? You're in the naughty list, right? And that's, that I think is the only way we can change this. And it really requires a sea change in the mindsets of software acquirers. I'll give you a really, really quick example without mentioning any, any, any branch names. You know, when we were working uh, Ounce back in, this is probably 2007 or eight. I had put together some language that was incorporated by a couple of government agencies that said, you can't buy this, these applications unless they go through a process to understand if they're secure or not. Because, hey, we're the Department of Defense. We're part of the Department of Defense. we got to do this. You know, serious stuff. These people do serious work. And uh, everybody's like, yay, this is going to be a sea change because it's going to relate it. And what ended up happening was that general officers would just sign waivers. Nope, I really need it. Uh, security, imp- interesting. Thanks. Nope. Nope. And it just was not important enough. You know, it would be more important that you know, it ran on a specific operating system or that the front screen was a certain color, then it was checked out for security because the vendor's like, well, I could do that, but uh, could be a little late and oh, it may cost a lot more. You sure you want it? And everybody's like, oh, nah. And they just signed off. But I think that as an example, I think Log4j is a great example. And in general, software bill of materials issues are making regular people realize that they're going to be the people who get the, the wrong end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. If... Um, they don't have the vendors take responsibility for this up front. So I think it's changing. I think that the awareness of the crowd is changing. And it really has to, right? I, I can only imagine, and nobody gathers this information, but if I think about the simplicity with which new applications can be built, the idea that we're not exponentially growing the number of vulnerable applications is just crazy. Let me ask you a question as somebody who was a CISO for a big company. When folks wanted to deploy new applications, did they come seek you out and say, Justin, we're going to go deploy a new CRM or we're going to just deploy a new inventory management system. Before we make any decisions, would you get your two cents in, please, about whether it's secure or not? Did that ever happen to you? It took me a very long time to get to that point. And even still, I'm, I'm, I, I know there was things that, that we were missing. There was applications and new platforms like sailing through that we would we'd never touch. Um, yeah, there was, there, and actually now that I'm saying that, I'm like going back in memory banks, there's certainly ones that were like, yeah, we'll get you after. Like this is, this is going out to market. Um, that, getting, getting to that point, point took me a long time that was like a lot of political capital Mm. earned over time trust earned over time to say like hey like listen we're not like i'm not here to slow you down like that's not the spirit of this like i'm here to try to make you successful through the long term and if we can do these checks early these validations early um help opine on you know, what the security architecture of this thing should be and kind of help validate that these things are in place really actually helps you go faster in the development of all this. And so when uh, the business that I worked for finally got their head around that and I had my my peers and kind of the champions of security within those business units, like, yeah, they they would always go through it and or go go, go through us to kind of do the checks. But But we're actually embedded in the process at that point. I'm saying like, made sure we're kind of up front in the architecture of saying like, Hey, think about this thing about that. If you did like, if you made this identity configuration now, um, it's going to help you in the future. Right? Mm-hmm. It gives you more options to be more progressive, more, more out there. It's a better user experience. Right. So that, that usually played really well. Um, but one of the things that um, we did to try to help guide people through that 
um, <clears throat> was the idea of establishing a sec software security architecture mm -hmm. um, and actually a privacy architecture, a data privacy architecture. Um, those became our guidelines for how you would build applications. Mm -hmm. And instead of having to provide requirements into every application in like a one-off way, um, our guidelines were kind of like our, our rule, generally speaking. And the role of my team became one of managing the exceptions, right? I was saying, you know, our development teams would look at it and be like, hey, this standard doesn't really apply to this or... Um, what we're building doesn't cleanly fit within this. Can, can you help us navigate this? And um, it was an easy way for us to get in front of it. But um, also more importantly, um, the, the data privacy aspect to it, um, we spent a lot of time defining that privacy architecture, um, exactly how, how applications need to be written to conform to um, our data privacy standards, basically doing what we said we're going to do with consumer data, um, which was interesting because it shaped how a lot of architect, how a lot of um, applications were constructed. But, but the benefit of doing all those things, I could always ensure that our privacy standards were aligned to. I can ensure that um, any applications being built had the appropriate level of logging, so we could do all the security monitoring, all the applications conformed to the identity architectures that we built. And the amount of exceptions that we had were were very small, um, but but still there was there were still some that got through. And I, so I'm kind of sitting here talking about all the ones that really got through, or the ones that we had to kind of uh, kind of bolt security on after were all the ones um, that I didn't have the I didn't have the time to build the relationships yep. to like get in front of it. Right, like they weren't aware that we had standards. Right, I was like, there's times when they're like. You're just chasing a bear with a BB gun, right? <laughs> you, you know, and just you do you do the best you can, and you try to knock off the biggest biggest risk ones that you can. It, it's interesting, right? Even in application security, some of it comes back to communication, right? Your ability to embed that embed that need, or at least that desire for better security, pretty early in the cycle. It's interesting, you know. I'm thinking about the the net effect of not doing what you did, right? And the whole bolt on approach to cybersecurity. And it makes me think about one of the reasons why we're trying to get people to think more proactively about building it into really early parts of the cycle, like the contracts or, or requirements. Like that's one thing I say, and for the audience, right? The, when, when I talk about contract, just, that just means the way you lay down the requirements for what the application has to do in terms of being assessed for security. It can be internal or external. It's not just external stuff. Um, but the reason I'm thinking about it is the the approach to applying security for the application into an environment, mm -hmm. historically, a lot of it has been test, right? It's been test and find out if it's vulnerable or not. And for me and, and for the audience, it's a terrible idea to use that as the primary mechanism to drive security awareness of your applications. Yeah. Because applications aren't like firewall rules, right? It's not like I can just go make a change and make it better. If you find a vulnerable application or a vulnerable component of an application, there's going to be time, right, where you've got to go figure it out and fix it and replace it and things rely on it and services run on top of it or transactions are engaged through it. So just testing is really the wrong place, right, yeah. to start your cybersecurity for applications journey, right? The, the, the idea that 
you do testing is really, really important. Don't get me wrong. But it should be done with an awareness of what you're going to do when you find out it's vulnerable. You know, I don't think I'm giving away any trade secrets here, but every application I have ever looked at, my companies have ever looked at, and that's thousands, have been vulnerable. Yeah. I don't know a single one that didn't have some kind of, sometimes they weren't a big deal, but everything was vulnerable to something, right? Maybe it was, you know, the fact that they didn't do a great job of dragging in new libraries, right? Or maybe they did yeah. something weird in terms of where they were looking for files or whatever, or something simple like input validation. They just made a simple mistake. Everything is vulnerable, more or less. And so if you start with that, like if you, you know you're in a doctor, you know you're going to be sick, why don't we start to the left of that, right? And figure out, all right, let's set ourselves in a place so that the next application that isn't built yet is less likely to be vulnerable, right? And if it is vulnerable, I've got the recourse and the mechanisms and the responsibility in mind so I know I'll be able to resolve it, yeah. right? A much healthier way because, you know, for the listeners, you know, who may come to this and say, like, dude, they're right. You know, Justin's approach is right. These applications are flawed. Jack's telling the truth. Everything's broken. So I'm going to go start doing this stuff right now. Don't do it that way. You know, start by doing what you did, get the organization to understand what a secure application means, both from enabling technologies like a data privacy, you know, or data classification or user classification strategy up front. You know, get people to start talking in that language so that, and by the way, when it's done, we got to test it and then we'll remediate what we find is a more natural part of that ecosystem. But I think that that's probably the most important thing is to get the organization to understand why application security is going to be important. Explaining the why helps a ton. But I've also like said a lot of times, like being strategic about what you're trying to do is really, really important, mm -hmm. right? Like there needs to be a reason why you're doing these things, right? Otherwise, like don't do it because right. yeah. you're wasting your time. Yeah. How I've always philosophically viewed these things is developers are going to do what developers do, right? I'm not an expert in software development, but there's, I know a lot of people who are super, super good at it. And for me to like tell them to do their job differently um, would kind of be almost like an insult to them, right? Like who, who, who am I to actually tell you sure. how to do your job? But if you only look at it from the testing lens and you're only chasing developers, this is a bad game of whack-a-mole. Right on. Right? The threat landscape is constantly changing and is shifting. And just because it's secure today doesn't mean it's going to be secure tomorrow for all the reasons you mentioned. Rather, as like a security practitioner and a leader and someone who's trying to build through the security muscle for an organization, saying, okay, you don't want to be in the situation of playing whack-a-mole with this thing. You know it's going to be vulnerable. Your goal needs to be how does it conform to your existing security architecture, but how would you know if something went wrong in the event of a world that's always vulnerable, right? <clears throat> so getting in, getting in front of some of these things, explaining the why, more importantly, ensuring that they conform to your security architecture is, is super ultra important. And I rarely hear people talk about it. And like, like logging and monitoring is like, is a really good example of saying, you know, this app's going to be vulnerable, but more importantly, like, would you actually know if something bad happened to this app? If data was being exfiltrated or, you know, you have uh, like, like fraudulent attempts to do something bad on the website. Um, to get to that point where you know these things happen in the course of being developed means you have to develop that capability into the app, which means you have to get on the front of it, which means you have to define your architecture, right? So when I look at um, fraud and abuse of a website or um, even like nefarious insider activity or out, like someone's doing something bad to your website, being able to correlate it to an identity, yeah. right, needs to happen. 
you need to have a way to correlate that to your identity store, right? Login monitoring we've already talked about. Um, if you had, uh, if you were monitoring for fraud, as like another example, being able to track things like um, like IP addresses or different types of GUID or being able to track activity within a cart from a security standpoint, those are all things that you need to pre-think through, right? Um, being able to maintain a web application firewall, right, in coordination with how the application is actually built becomes super important because you don't want to be writing custom rules every single time to, you know, to accommodate the game of whack-a-mole, right? And, um, and even just simple things like, do you have a data, if, you're, if your application is externally facing, right, that is going to be stored somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And it, does, does that follow your agreed-upon data, database architecture standards? And do you, can you ensure that this is behind a database firewall? Like, these are all things that um, are simple things to do but require a lot of pre-planning. But if you do all these things correctly, it means your development teams can go super, super fast. Super yeah, fast. Fact. Um, and that means, like, your business can go to market faster and hopefully do all the goodness that they need to do, right? And um, I rarely hear people think about it in that structure, in that sense. It's way easier to get your head around and be like, let's let's just play, let's put another quarter, we'll play another game of whack-a-mole. Yeah, Hope right on. You said something as you were describing what I think of as sort of like post-deployment reality for application security. Because a lot of people think application security is like sort of that, that seal you get on something and then, all right, I'm good till the next one I buy or the next major revision. Um, but something you mentioned, which was about the vulnerabilities that show up, right? Yeah. That whack-a-mole game. Yeah, one thing for the, for, for the listeners is as you're thinking about application security, realize that it is a, a cycle. It just goes on forever and it's okay, right? It's like exercise or whatever. It's, it just goes on forever. Um, but a lot of people don't think about vulnerability management around the applications perhaps that they create themselves or that, that are created for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody gets all hyped up and excited about Patch Tuesday and there's a new vulnerability in some other, you know, major application. But they typically don't even have a process for understanding whether there's new vulnerabilities or if somebody's found new vulnerabilities in their own applications, particularly if it's in a component of an application that they've created, right? So I would just encourage our listeners as you're thinking about this, when you're going through all this pre-work, we've talked a lot about really far left, right? Well, also think about, left of de- a right of deployment, hopefully not right of boom, but right of deployment, where now you have to throw this thing into what we think about as a vulnerability management process around the applications, where you've got a relatively comprehensive SBOM that tells you these are all the components that I care about, and what we've been talking about as an IBOM, an infrastructure bill of materials. So now you know all the services and applications you rely on from an infrastructure perspective, all the components of software that are in the bit of software that you've built, the SBOM, put these things together. Now your vulnerability management program can raise a flare or throw up a flare whenever there's a new vulnerability found in any of those so you can take the appropriate action to mitigate. And to your point, that sometimes that's going to be whack-a-mole because shit just happens, right? But then if you've done a good job in your data architecture, you've done a good job in your interoperability with your um, application firewall, you can actually make a mitigating step that now gives you some time to be thoughtful about how you're going to address the issue when it arises. So yeah, there you go. It's a full cycle. I like it. Done. Yeah. Soup to nuts. From requirements generation to managing vulnerabilities after delivery, the whole enchilada. Not a lot to change in 20 years. Sadly, no. <laughs> but in the next, yeah, it's definitely going to change. I, I feel that way too, actually. I feel like there's a, there's a bright future. 
for OPSEC backed. Keep chipping away. Right on, man. Okay, wrap this one. Good for me. If you're listening to this, you like, love the show, want to share it with your bestie, uh, please, please like this. Please share it with them. Uh, questions for the show, pwned at newharborsecurity.com. By the way, um, we're still looking for uh, good questions for the mailbag. Um, any breaches you want to know about, send them our way. You want to hear about product news or get questions about that, um, shoot them our way. But more importantly, if you need excellent cybersecurity help um, by people that actually give a shit and uh, who know what they're doing, you can reach us at newharborsecurity.com and you can contact us at info at newharborsecurity.com. We'll get you on the next episode.